Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. You know, there was a, a time in my walk with the Lord that I, I thought that he was too busy for me. I thought he had more important things to to do than to be concerned about me. And I found out later that that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, sometimes we look at God as if he's a man and he's limited. That he gets consumed with certain things and doesn't have time for other things. Because I had a low self-esteem towards the Lord, I, I... I didn't think he was mindful of me in in any way. But I found out that even the hairs on my head are numbered. He knows every cell in my body. He knows everything about my life. And he knows the troubles we get into and how we struggle to have peace and security and a sound mind. This morning, uh, Alita and I were minding our own business in the prayer room, just praying about this morning's service. And the Lord told me that there was someone here this morning, either present here in this service or by watching the live stream, that you've, there's some things very important to you in your life that you're very concerned about. And it has gotten to the place where you're having trouble sleeping, And it's almost as if you're in this cloud, mentally speaking. You're having a hard time functioning in your day-to-day things, your day-to-day affairs, because you're so consumed with worry and anxiety, trying to figure out how to get free. Well, the Lord knows that, shared that with me, and he wants me to help you to get free. You ready for that? Now that may that may be you. That that may be that may be you. That, that may be someone out there. Let me show you how we connect with God to let Him and to give Him access to our life. Amen. Go on over to Philippians. You guys okay with this? See, this is a part that I had no knowledge of this as a man. But God showed me in my heart this morning as we prayed. And he wants you to be free today. That going around in this cloud trying to figure out how to to deal with these issues in your life is not what he wants for you. He wants you to be in a place of tranquility. He wants you to be in a place of peace. And he wants you to have rest. And he certainly wants you to sleep. So religiously speaking, people will say that peace will come when you ask for it. That's not how the peace of God comes. Let me show you from Scripture how you and I can get his peace. I'm in Philippians. I'm in chapter 4. And with the projection, go down to verse 6. 
Go down to verse 6. In the King James, he says, don't, he says, be careful for nothing, or don't worry about a thing, if we put it in present-day vernacular. Worry moves us away from God. Faith and trust in God moves us towards Him. So our enemy will use worry to detach us from what God has for us. So he tells us in Scripture, look at that, in verse 6, he says, Be careful for nothing. That really is saying in our everyday language, don't worry about anything. Worry is an enemy. So how do I stop being anxious? How do I stop being stressed out? How do I stop being worrisome? He says, in everything or what you're worrying about, give it to the Lord through prayer. Now, getting peace begins by giving the Lord what we're worrying about to Him. Truth be told, God can only have access to our life when we give it to Him. God isn't out there doing whatever He wants to do in people's lives. Do you get that? No, I have as much God as I'm opening the door to Him to have God. Prayer is a very essential way to give God place and permission to work in our life. Didn't Jesus tell us in the Lord's Prayer we're to pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, that's giving heavenly support and resources to come to us by asking for it. So whatever you're worrying about today, whatever has you consumed, and I, I, I'm suspicious to think that it's a person. See, the enemy, enemy will always come to those things in our life that are valuable to us. And what is the most valuable things that we have? Our loved ones, our family, our children, our grandchildren. It certainly isn't the guy at work that irritates us. Right? It's always someone close to us. So you may be looking at a situation or you may be looking at someone who needs help, someone that you care about, and you're wondering how it's going to work out. Well, we need to give that situation, and we need to give that person to the Lord. Now, let me show you in this way. Let's say this alarm clock, which is adorable. Let's say that this alarm clock is very valuable to me. And it's just not working. And I'm just overwhelmed with it. And I'm just holding on to it. I'm worrying about it. I'm concerned about it. I'm fretting about it. I can't sleep at night. Oh, my alarm clock. Well, when I have it through worry, God doesn't have it. God can't come and help what I'm fretting over because I'm embracing it through worry. That's why he says, give it to him in prayer. Prayer is taking this problem or this person that we're concerned about and we're saying, God, I can't do anything about this. I'm going to give it to you and let you work it out. Now I'm free. Did you notice that term in there? Give it to him in prayer and what? 
and with thanksgiving or the giving of thanks. You see, one way to maintain peace in our life is that when you give something to God and you start thanking him that he's working on it for you in your behalf, thankfulness is believing he's, he's working it out for you. And if he's working it out, I don't need to worry about it. Now, here's, here's the deal. You and I have gotten so good at worry that we'll give it to the Lord, and then an hour later we go, give that back. Hey, Lord, I'm taking this back. And then we start worrying again. And then the Lord goes, what you've done is you've taken it out of his, taken it out of his hands. And so you got to do it again. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't fix that. Only you can fix that. I'm giving it back to you. Thank you for taking care of it for me, Lord. I believe I'm free. Now, check this out. Are you seeing a progress here? This progresses. I'm worried about something. I'm careful about something. I'm stressed out about something. I recognize I can't really do anything about it. So I give it to God in prayer. Then I begin to thank him that, that he's working it out and I don't have to be concerned about it. Look what the next verse says. Verse 7, and the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Did you notice that the prayer came before the peace came? You see, we all want peace, but you don't get it until you do verse 6. So when you give it to God in prayer, you thank him that he's got it and he's working it out, that's when peace comes. And notice that it passes or surpasses all your understanding. And you have this supernatural peace. But then he says to maintain that peace, you've got to start doing verse 8. He says, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, that which has virtue, things that, that you can praise about, think, everybody say think, think on these things. Number one, locate that you're stressed out. Number two, Give what you're stressed out to or who you're stressed out about to the Lord Amen. Yes. in prayer. That's right. And then believe he heard you, so you thank him that it's done. Then just begin basking in his peace because he's got it, right? He's working it out. Yeah. I know your mind's going to go back to figure out how God's going to do it. You don't know. I don't know. So why think about it? And he says, start thinking on heavenly things, good things. And then we will maintain that place of peace. Amen. Come on. And then when the stress tries to open the door back up, just go right through the progression. <coughs> See, we've gotten so good at worrying, there's times that we're worrying and we don't even realize we're worrying. Come on. Come on. It's just a natural reaction of our emotions. Amen. Amen. But when we govern them, those emotions and those feelings with what the Bible says. 
You can go through a whole day not worrying about that person. But through the day, you just say, thank you, thank you. You, you got my daughter. I thank you, you got her. I, I thank you that you're working things out in her life. You got her. See, I'm maintaining peace. You ready to do it? Out there, you ready to do it? We're going to do it together. Put out your hands. Put out your hands like this. And we're going to load it up with all the things that we've been worrying about. Put people in there. Put your checkbook and bill box in there. Right? Just, just put, put everything that you're concerned about. Just load it up. You got it? Did you put everything in there? You put every person in there? Huh? Put your, put your career in there, Simone. Put your career in there. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? Give it to him. Amen. All right? Hallelujah. Put your family in there, the grandkids. You got them all in there? Say this out loud. Father in heaven. Say it out loud. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm so sorry I've been worrying about these things. I'm so sorry I've been worrying about this person. In prayer, right now, I give these situations and these people to you. You can do better with them than I can. So I give you them in Jesus' name. And now I believe that you've heard me, and you have them, and so I thank you that you're working it out. Now get ready to throw it up to him. One, two, three. He's got it. He's got it. You notice your hands are up now? With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You got it, and you're working it out. And that's how peace comes. That's how peace comes. That's how peace comes. That's how peace comes. How peace comes. And we can walk this way every day because we're doing things God's way and not man's way amen now I've been teaching on this subject matter on Friday mornings at 10 o'clock that's what that's when we we talk about prayer the different kinds of prayer and for the last two weeks I've been talking about the prayer of casting our cares upon the Lord now, if you go to our website, just go to our video recordings, and you'll see it. It's a Friday morning. I don't know. What was Friday? Is that the 3rd? September 3rd. You'll see it September 3rd. I think it's uh, giving our cares and worries to the Lord. You can watch that. It's, it's, a, it's a video. You can watch it on your smartphone, and it'll kind of enhance what we've been talking about. Amen. Amen. Well, in the Lord good. I said, in the Lord good. Hallelujah. Well, it looks like I didn't bring my service notes up here. Who borrowed them? Or did I forget to bring them? Vince, could I have my, could I give you a copy of my service notes? I heard somewhere in the pastor's handbook, it's good to have notes to your sermon. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Hey, we're going to pick up where we left off. Now, you cut into my time right there for about, about you owe me about 15 minutes now. So if we go to 1.30, it's going to be okay, right? You're laughing, but I'm asking a serious question. No, I'll get you out early because uh, we need to, we got important things to do today. It's the Labor Day weekend. 
Did, uh, did we get in the announcement that there's no uh, healing school tonight? We did say that? Now, there's no healing school tonight at 6, so don't come back to church. You guys don't watch the video tonight. There isn't one. Uh, we're going to relax at home, and we want you to relax at home. We want you to enjoy some family time. Even if you just sit, you know, sit and enjoy one another's company, just, just take a breather the next couple of days, right, because we have a holiday. And then we sprint on into fall, and we got a lot of things coming up. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the testimony of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, unfortunately, I don't have time to go back through a lot of what we talked about two weeks ago. But understand that in this story, both these individuals died. Yet, they continued to live in another place. This testimony in Luke chapter 16 I think it starts somewhere um, around the 20th verse. When you read this testimony of these two men, it really opens our eyes to so many things. Uh, a lot of people question, you know, what happens when a person dies? Well, the Bible tells us. We don't have to wonder about that. And so like the testimony of these two individuals, the rich man and Lazarus, when they died and they put their body in the ground, they continued to, to live but they no longer lived on earth. They either lived in one of two places, heaven or hell. Look here in the 22nd verse of Luke 16. It came to pass that the beggar, that's Lazarus, he died. And he was carried by the angels. So we know that angels are spiritual beings. So we're seeing insight that even though his body remained here on the earth that the angels took his spirit and took it to what the Bible says the Abraham's bosom which is heaven and then it says that the rich man also died and was buried so the rich man died they put his body in the ground remember our body is of the earth and it will stay with the earth our spirit is of heaven and it will go to that place of heaven when separation takes place from our body. So it says that the rich man also died. His body was buried, but in hell. So he went to, to a spiritual place called hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So Lazarus went to a spiritual place, heaven, and the rich man went to a spiritual place, hell. The natural body of the, both these individuals remained on the earth, Yet their spirit and their mind went to a spiritual place. So we made this declaration last week that you and I are not merely a body. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at the house. I, my spirit, which lives on the inside of my body, I'm looking at the house I live in. Amen. Too many of us identify with our outer man as being us. And we're not this outer man. We're the inner man. So we went over to 2 Corinthians, trying to get us caught up as to where we were. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And when you and I get a hold of this truth, 
it changes a lot of things in our life. Once we understand that we're not this man on the outside, but we're the man on the inside, when we begin to see that, then the scriptures begin to open up to us. See, many people have a difficult time reading the Bible because they're thinking of it from an intellectual standpoint. And, and he'll say things in Scripture about you and I that don't equate because it's what they're, how they're describing us doesn't match who we are on the outside. How I many you know that I still have behavior that needs to be brought under the control of my spirit? Right? Worry was a good example. We, we've got to control this guy on the outside from the man on the inside. So we found out from Thessalonians that we're more complex than just a, just a body. We are a spirit. We have a mind. And we live in this body suit that we call a body. This is our house. You're looking at my house. And just like the natural place that you live in, Every day it looks worse, doesn't it? Huh? Right? Every day the, the, your, the house you live in is going to begin decaying, deteriorating. But that doesn't mean you, you are the one who lives in the house. Well, it's the same way with your body. Look what 1 first, first, first Thessalonians 5.23 says. He says, I pray. So he's praying to the believer, but he mentions all three parts of his being. I pray through your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and your body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we established from the story of the rich man and Lazarus that we are an eternal spirit, that when we die just means that our spirit's leaving the earth and we'll go to the place reserved for us. Does that make sense? And so we said this, I am a spirit, I have a mind, and I live in a body. That was essentially your, your homework assignment two weeks ago, that you were to say that to yourself until it became real to you. See, this is why religion doesn't work. Religion tells you to fix the guy on the outside. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Get good enough for God. Well, no person will ever be good enough for God on the outside. I'm still not good enough with this guy on the outside. But he's touched me on the inside. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to begin embracing that you are, there are three parts to your nature. You are and will always be an eternal spirit. You have a mind, a will, and emotions that assists your spirit. And you live temporarily while on the earth in your body. Does that make sense? Spirit, soul, and body. So embrace that. Now, once we begin to see that truth, and like I told you, when I got a hold of the fact that I'm an eternal spirit being, everything changed in my life. 
because I saw what God did on the inside and began to believe that and stop following who I was on the outside and all the mistakes I was making. So you'll begin to see this truth that we're a three-part being in other places in Scripture. I want you to go to Philippians. We were there earlier. Go to Philippians chapter 1 and look at verse 21. Philippians 1.21. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a mind. And I live in this body. Now this is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. Now he's talking about himself because he calls himself me. He says, for to me to live, and that's Christ, and to die is gain. Now when you first read this verse and you look at it and you go, how in the world is death gain? Now if you think you're just simply a body, you're in a bad place if you, if you believe that because you're, you're, you're thinking that death is the end of everything. If you think you're a body. That's why people get so upset at funerals. They think that's the end of that person. But you're talking about the part of their body that's just the house they used to live in. So Paul's saying, for me... And we have to locate me in order to understand why to die is gain. So he goes on in the next verse, verse 22. He says, but if I live in the flesh. Wait a second, what do you mean? How can an I live in flesh? You see, Paul is identifying himself as a spirit being. And he says, I live in my body. Do you get that? You see, Paul had the revelation of him having three parts to his nature. And he saw that he was a spirit being. And he recognized that he was just living in a body. So he says, I live in the body. My spirit lives in the body my body. Go to the next verse. He says, I'm in a straight between two. I have a desire to depart. Depart from what? His body. Do you know the day's coming that your spirit's going to slip out of your body? And you're going to get out of your body and you're going to see your body in that position of death and you're going to go, Wow. But yet you're still alive and you still look the same way. You're just a spiritual being now without a body. And then you'll go to the place that's reserved for you. So he says, I got, I got two ways I can go. I, I, I have a desire to be with Jesus. I have a desire to what? To depart from the earth. And to be with who? Christ which is what? Far better. That's why he said death is gain. To die is gain. You and I, we're only tasting a little bit of the goodness of God on this earth compared to what we're going to experience on the other side in heaven. And so Paul, even while he's down here on the earth, he's yearning to go home to be with his Savior. 
And he says that's what? Far better. If better is awesome, how much more awesome is far better? I've heard testimonies of people that have visited heaven and came back to earth. And they said two things, every one of them, every testimony I've heard, they said the two things. They said, number one, heaven is beyond your imagination. It's so wonderful. And number two, I didn't want to come back to earth. They all say the same thing. Heaven is beyond what we could ever imagine. It's that good. And it's not just what you can see. It's the environment in which you're living. You see, you and I are living in a fallen world right now. And there's yuck all around us. There's uncertainty all around us. There's fear all around us. There's anxiety all around us. There's torment all around us. Heaven environment is light and love and peace and tranquility and fulfillment and there's nothing there to deter that. It's going to be good. So he calls heaven far better. Go to the next verse, please. So he was struggling with, man, I really want to go to heaven, but he says, if I stay here, if my spirit abides in my body, it's more needful or beneficial to you. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's written over half of the New Testament. He's had revelations and visions of the Lord. God is using him mightily. He's raised the dead. He's healed sick people. They were even taking clothing that he was wearing on his body and take it to other places and lay it on sick people, and they were healed. And he's going, I'm homesick. I want to go. But then he remembered the people still on the earth. And he says, for me to abide still in my flesh on the earth will benefit those around me. Aren't you glad he chose to stay? All right. Going over to 2 Corinthians 4.16. I'm trying to get done. I'm beginning to get done. How many of you are excited about that? I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to close, as they say. You ready? Now, we're looking for, I'm a spirit, and I live in a body, in other scriptures. So you know that I'm not just fibbing about this. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. 2 Corinthians 4.16. You see, the Bible talks about an inner man and an outer man. The inner man is our spirit. The outer man is our body. Look in 416, 2 Corinthians. For cause we faint not, though our outward man, everybody say outward man. What do you suppose our outer man is? It's our body. You're looking at my outer man right now. I look a lot better out of my outward man. 
in the spirit. Because that's the place that God touched through the new birth. So, though my outward man's doing what? Perishing. It gets old, right? Day by day. It gets older, right? And I'm closer to it going back and being worm food than I've ever been before. Right? So my outward man is going to perish. His destiny is just to be buried in the earth. Yet the inward man, see the outer man and the inner man? The inner man is renewed, quickened, made alive every day. Do you know right now that you're not getting older? Do you know right now that you're not getting gray hair? Do you know right now that you don't have any wrinkles? Do you know right now that you, in looking at your spirit, is spirit is glorious? Because it's that which God has touched and made like him. I have to do that a lot when I look in, in the mirror. I got to say to myself, that's not me. That's not me. I'm gorgeous in him. Right? Hallelujah. So there's an inner man and there's an outer man. Go to 1 Peter. Let's find another author that talks about the inner man and the outer man. 1 Peter chapter 3. Everybody remember Peter, the one that walked on water? Here he is. I'm in 1 Peter 3, 3. It's going to sound a little different from the projection. I'm reading from the English uh, Standard Version. It says, let not your adorning be external or the body. He says, not let it be outward. That's the outward man. That means the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adoring, adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Go to that next verse, verse 4, please. So really what Peter's saying is, is, don't take so much time trying to make the outer man look good. Now, if the barn needs painting, you need to paint it, but you know what I'm saying. Don't let that be everything that, that you're involved in. Because you're just, you're just adorning the house you live in. We want you to look great, and you do look great when you get all fixed up, but don't, be, don't let that be everything that you're doing. You're also to clothe the inner man. Yes. Right? Come on. Amen. He says, but adorn the hidden man. That's, that's who you are on the inside. Why is it hidden? Because you're inside your body. Amen. It's not corruptible. It'll never perish. It'll, it's eternal. And he says, even the adornment of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of a great price. Let me read this from the CSB. Just look at me and listen to this. Don't look at the projection, it'll confuse you. Listen to this. Your beauty should not consist of outward things, like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments and fine clothes. 
Instead, it should consist of what is inside the heart, or rather, the hidden person of your heart, with an imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. So, I'm setting ourselves up because we're going to begin looking at in the weeks to come who you are. And we're going to distance ourselves in relating to who we are in the flesh and who we truly are in Christ. You see, what God begins to describe to us as who we become because of our relationship with Jesus Christ has to become real to us. For example, over in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says that when you receive Christ as your Savior, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. And because when we receive the Lord as our Savior, it's a spiritual birth, it's not a physical birth. So your body's unchanged when you become a Christian, and your mind is unchanged. The only part of us that's changed is our spirit man, our inner man, the hidden man of our heart. And so you've got to start seeing who you now are in real time because of what Christ has done on the inside of us. And he says that you're righteous. Now, the first time I read that verse of Scripture, it was almost like I thought I caught God in a lie. He's telling me I'm righteous. And I started thinking about all the things that I, that I had done wrong and was still doing wrong. And I said, there's no way I'm righteous. I got proof I'm not righteous. But I was thinking I was that outer person in his behavior. I'm not. I'm the hidden guy on the inside. And it took me a while to begin understanding that he's not talking about Bruce on the outside. He's talking about Bruce on the inside. The guy on the inside is righteous. The, the guy on the inside has been resurrected. The, the guy on the inside is a new creature in Christ. The guy on the inside has received a new birth, a heavenly birth. And I am righteous. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me. And he placed his righteousness in me. And once I saw that this book in these letters in the New Testament were writing about me, I began to accept them. Because I stopped trying to contradict what it was saying by examining myself from the outside. I started looking at myself from the inside. And that's when I started to grow spiritually. And as I grow spiritually in the knowledge of who I was in Christ, then some of these things on the outside started to fall off of me. Because I don't do that anymore. I'm righteous. I don't think that way anymore. I'm righteous. I don't talk like that anymore. I'm righteous. You see, God works from the inside out. He doesn't work from the outside in. We don't make ourselves good enough for him 
to come on the inside of us. No, he makes us right on the inside, and then from there we start changing on the outside. Yes. Amen. That makes sense? Yes, sir. And so we're going to get into that, but I had to set you up to start seeing yourself as someone on the inside and not the person that you and I are on the outside. And it's going to be a lot easier for us to embrace when we embrace that truth. Does that sound good? Wow, I got done under the wire. Did you get anything out of this morning? I got one person here got something. Anyone else? Did, you, did, you get, did anyone else get something this morning? Did you get something? All right. Tina got something. That's awesome. Oh, camera dude got something. Now, before we go, I know that we have a lot of people watching out there. And the Lord directed me to do this this morning. I'm going to give each person here and out there an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Now, understand that receiving Jesus is just simply asking him to come into your life. No one is in heaven today because they went to church. No one's in heaven today because they got baptized in water. Nobody's in heaven today because they helped an old lady across the street. The only people in heaven are those that saw that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. They believed that he died on the cross for them, and they simply asked him to come into their life. And you don't have to clean yourself up to get right with God. You just have to receive the gift that God has given us. That gift is Jesus Christ. And when you and I ask Jesus into our life, that gives him the permission. Remember we talked earlier about how prayer gives God permission? Well, when you ask Jesus to come in your life, he comes inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit, and you become a brand new person in Christ. He does a work in our spirit. He completely resurrects our dead spirit and gives us his everlasting life into this new spirit, and we become the children of God. And when we leave this earth, that means that our, our spirit separates itself from the body, and the body goes limp and it's dead. The spirit will go to the same place that Lazarus went. It'll go to that place prepared for us, that place of God's home and dwelling place, heaven. And Jesus said exactly that, that he's making a place for us. I believe Jesus. But you don't get there by being religious. You get there because you saw that you needed a Savior and you asked the Savior to come into your life. So if you want to do that this morning, go ahead and I just want every head to be bowed right now. Just This is a, this is a private moment. This isn't something that you're going to do in a public way because you're talking to God right now. Is there someone here that you're not 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven? I'm asking you out there in the stream. I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there any question where you're going to go when you leave this earth? Do you know for 100% that Jesus is in your heart, that you received Christ as your Savior? If not, this is, this is a perfect time to do it because today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. Today is. The only power that you and I have over a day is the day in which we're living. 
We have no assurance that we'll have that ability tomorrow or the next day. But you have this opportunity right here and right now. So if you want to pray a prayer, if you want to ask Jesus into your life, you want to make him the Lord of your life, then just simply put up your hand so I can see it, and I'll pray for you, and Jesus will come in. Okay, I see that hand. You can put that down. Anyone else, you say, I want Jesus this morning. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he died in my place. I believe that he conquered death through resurrection. And I believe that he's the Savior that God gave me, and so I'm going to receive him today. I'm going to confess him as my Lord. Anyone else? Any other hands? Okay, while heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed, we're going to pray that prayer right now. I want every one of us to say it out loud. And that one who raised your hand, I want you to understand that you're giving God access to your life and he's going to come inside of you and you will be made brand new on the inside. You'll have no sin. You'll be in right standing with God and you will receive the righteousness of God in Christ. So say this with boldness and real loud. Say, Father in heaven, I come to you now. Pray it out there on the live stream. I come to you now in Jesus' name. Jesus, I believe that you are God who came in flesh. You died for me on the cross and you bared my sin away. You've been raised from the dead and you're alive right now. I ask you Jesus, come into my life. I'm asking you to be my Lord. I receive you now as my Savior. And I declare that you are my Lord. The Scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I just call upon you. Therefore, according to the Bible, I am now saved. I am forgiven. I'm a new creature in Christ. I am righteous. I thank you for saving me now. And when I leave this earth through death, I'm going to heaven. Because today, September 5th at 11.45 I call upon you and I'm saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, just give him thanks. Just give him thanks. You know, I, I prayed that prayer on May 4th, 1977, about five miles from here almost about where the Twin Peaks are, up on the south end of Carter Lake. And I was the worst person that ever lived on the earth at that moment. I called upon him. I was a horrific person, horrible person, nasty person, selfish person, prideful person, vile and immoral. And I prayed that same prayer that you guys just prayed. And you know, Jesus came into my heart. And I've been saved ever since. Now, you're born of God. 
Nothing happened to your mind. You got the same mind. That's why you've got to reprogram it with the Word of God. Number two, your body's the same. Your body's like an old dog. And if you don't put a dog on a leash, it's going to get into something. You're the guy on the inside. And you're as pure and as clean as the newly fallen driven snow. You're right with God. In the same way that you were born to your natural parents and you'll always be a child of those parents, you've now been born of God and you'll always be his child. Even when you make mistakes, your relationship with God does not change because it's a birth. So don't let the enemy come to you and say, don't listen to him. He's a defeated foe. You're now brand new. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you guys get into something good today. Burn something on the grill. Do something exciting. Enjoy your weekend. You get a day off tomorrow, I hope. And uh, just enjoy yourself. Guys, thanks for coming out. We'll be back here Wednesday at 7, okay? And we'll get into making our words have power. Bye-bye.